0: From Rivers-Barden Architects, this is Spork in the Road, a podcast featuring conversations with creative individuals about their path, craft, and passions. In this episode, our resident architects, Joel Rivers and Kevin Barden, visit with Pete Mollick, an architectural photographer from Houston, Texas.
1: So I had had this idea like originally when I heard about the drones shooting downtown and being able to like start from an intersection and sort of pan up and see the city sort of grow out of that intersection. It turned out to be almost impossible to like have this perfectly stable upward m- movement. But then I found this like composition that I really liked from about 300 feet up, and I started playing with tiling them all together, um, and then it started like creating this like quilted view of, of Houston.
0: Peter Mollick's work as an architectural photographer has him capturing on film life's many varied spaces. His portfolio runs the gamut from new construction homes, office buildings, and museums to a clothing store, a music hall, and even a stadium. It's fascinating work, both in subject and composition, certainly fascinating enough to sit down and talk about, but we really wanted to visit with Pete to discuss a work of his that he did outside of his professional output. The piece, called Crossings, has been showing since May at the 15th Venice Architecture Biennale the most influential exhibition in architecture. As of the release of this episode, you even have a few more days before the exhibition closes to see it in person, but you'll have to find your way to, as you might've guessed, Venice, Italy during Thanksgiving. And well, good luck. Joe and Kevin talk with Pete about his craft as an architectural photographer, what drove him to create crossings, and the future of his career and creative outlets. As a small note, we apologize in advance to those keen listeners who may pick up the slight hum of an air conditioning unit in the background of this interview. It was July in Houston. Thank you for understanding. Here's Joe.
1: What are you thinking about when you go in to shoot someone else's face? How do you propose for another architect or another designer to go in and try to figure out their are saying?
0: yeah it 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 definitely
1: starts with a conversation at first i mean I, hopefully it starts with a conversation at first about what what are the important aspects of a design that were worked out in the process you know that I might not be able to like immediately see um I think that's important just to hear the thoughts of the person who spent two years on a, on a on a project or something um, but it, like that conversation with the architect is important to you know Sometimes we, as architects, we'll work, you'll work on a, a detail of something that's so important to you. But really, at the end of the day, it's such a nice detail that it's almost missed because it's a very clean thing, but it's important that somehow call attention to that.
0: Helpful to Pete in his work is that he studied architecture at the University of Houston and worked at firms before transitioning to photography. He has a good understanding of how a building might have been imagined on paper, and how we can bring that to life when capturing it on camera.
1: I've drawn elevations and I've drawn perspectives. So you really like, and you know, when you, you, when you used to draw three point perspectives or when you take them from a rendering a computer, you're very specific about exactly where you're at, where your height is taken from and all these things. So I think that just translates on one-to-one, you know, like you you think of these things in the same way, um, which I find really interesting. So it's sort of like, I'm, thinking in how the architect might have presented this, what was important to them. And then I sort of intuitively see that myself. And that, so when I'm shooting like a, a building, that's commonly, I think, what's going through my head. But, and it, it might not even be that active of a thought, but it's just a sort of natural uh, reaction to it at a, you know, a well-designed space. Hopefully it's a well-designed space.
0: A natural reaction can be a powerful thing. It's one of the ideas that stands out about Pete's approach to photography. But having a natural reaction is nothing without the openness to react to anything, even life's most basic accessories.
1: Well, I'll say that this is sort of elementary, maybe. I feel like Instagram sort of changed the way that I compose photographs sometimes because, you know, especially earlier on, it was these square images, which goes back to like old film days where you had like 6x6 film or something.
0: For the uninitiated, Instagram is an online mobile photo sharing and social networking service that allows users to take and share pictures and videos. Its original distinctive feature was its square-shaped photos that mimicked instant cameras of the past. In 2015, Mashable gave Instagram the number one spot on its list of 100 best iPhone apps of all time
1: and the rule of thirds changes because the aspect of a photo is different and suddenly the center of the image is this really natural focal point. Sometimes, obviously, not all the time. But I really am drawn to these really nicely uh, symmetrical shots in nature. And and, and finding symmetry in nature, I think, is a really beautiful thing, as is asymmetry in the right right context. But um, going back to studying architecture and design, we all have that innate sense of how a composition of some sort goes together uh, without really having to think about it. And sometimes I think that that's a big influence in my photography, and I just don't have to... It's just not an of thought, but, you know, studying the study of architecture and design really teaches you a lot about you know, spatial qualities and, and relationships of, of objects to one another.
0: So as powerful as a natural reaction is, it's not as innocent as it may seem. Perhaps in his work, Pete's innate sensibilities derive mainly from his experience in two disciplines, photography and architecture, and rightly so. But I've come to think that really everything we consume, enjoy, and partake in lends itself to developing and molding our innate sensibilities. Music, food, film, beer, television, radio, and even Instagram. They all contribute ultimately to, in time, helping define what elements are most important to us as individuals. Pete is the perfect case in point. The square images of Instagram revealed in him a natural predilection for symmetry, and his innocent pursuit of capturing symmetries had profound results. The kind that get you invited to the Venice Architecture Biennale. Here's the story of crossings.
1: While I was still working at the firm, at the architecture firm, um, I found myself wanting to have some sort of outlet. It was not I mean, I guess it was a creative outlet, but it was just also just an outlet, like when you get off of work, to do something different from work. So I found myself going downtown to shoot downtown, which is sort of perfecting my architectural photography skills and also just wanting to get different vantage points of Houston specifically, a city that people don't normally explore that much especially in downtown and on on higher levels sort of you know Houston has like a pretty amazing skyline but it's really unexplored from other than people that work downtown maybe live downtown but that's such a rare thing Um, as opposed to like you know big urban cities that have huge like rooftop culture almost you know where you're at there's terraces like there's no there's like two occupiable rooftops in Houston or maybe four so you know not a lot um so that's what started this whole trying to get up onto rooftops or you know into shooting downtown from a higher vantage point. And then when you start doing that, you're like, man, if I could just be perfectly centered looking down this avenue, sort of uh, dividing the city, uh, that'd be cool. And then the drone thing came, and I was like, well, there's one, a that's one thing that I can do. B is I could have these totally different vantage points where it's not buildings specific or. or set at the the, uh, mercy of where a building is.
0: Equipped with a drone to get that untethered, symmetrical feel for the space between buildings, Pete set out to experiment.
1: So I I had had this idea, like, originally when I heard about the drones and shooting downtown and being able to, like, start from an intersection and sort of pan up and see the city sort of grow out of that intersection, which turned out to be almost impossible to, like, have this perfectly stable upward movement. But then I found this, like, composition that I really like from about 300 feet up. And I started playing with tiling them all together. Um, And then it started like creating this like quilted view of,
0: of Houston. The quilt of city has streets colliding at the corners of each tile. Every flat side is a sneak peek at the block that awaits beyond the frame. City parks, parking ramps, skyscrapers disappearing past the field of view. It makes for an intimate look at a giant metropolis. So and I really liked it,
1: and it had like some you know social media presence or whatever. And that's really all it was for me. And, and it was just sort of a you know, a thing that I it was like a nice outlet, but it wasn't. I never had like an end goal with it. And then um, it just got some more attention, and um, eventually the people in Venice saw it and approached me about showing it in Venice. Led to some other conversations about uh, me maybe wanting to shoot Venice while I was there for the openings. Um, to sort of show this like really dynamic contrast of cities but I didn't ever put two and two together to actually think I would be showing the two side by side until uh, Peter Zweig, an architect here, um, encouraged me to try to get up there early and, uh, and shoot it so, and try to show them side by side to create a more dynamic you know, yeah, viewing because yeah. Houston on the international scene is not that exciting but when you... Show the two side by side, it's really exciting. It's too, extreme. Yeah, oh yeah, I mean, it couldn't be more extreme. really. I mean, unless it was like a third world country or something. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. It's worth reiterating here that this Venice Biennale is a huge deal. This year's exhibition theme is Reporting from the Front, and its director is Chilean architect Alejandro Aravina, who happened to be the winner of this year's Pritzker Prize, architecture's most prestigious accolade. Nearly every major country in the world has a pavilion that showcases new ideas relevant to the theme. Pete's piece is shown in a collateral event called Time, Space, Existence. Um,
1: going to Venice, I thought it was important to show it at the same view because you're yeah. going to get this totally different sense of scale. Because, you know, the buildings in Houston might be 40 stories tall, you know, three or 400 feet tall. Right. So I'm really seeing buildings grow out of the inter- intersection, where in Venice you're looking down on buildings that are three to four stories tall, so you're really mm-hmm. looking down on the rooftops. Yeah. Um, so that was like a really interesting dynamic. Uh, yeah. And then you're getting little specks of people in the in the Venice scene and where you're seeing hardly any people in Houston on the street, but you're seeing a lot of cars. Um, so that was kind of an interesting dynamic too. But yeah, I, I think it's it's – and as I've thought about maybe doing more cities – moving forward, I think it's important to have that one standard um, to sort of really emphasize the difference in scale and, and developing cities and things like that.
0: This is Joe. You
1: no, know, I, I it's, it's interesting just that they're both cities and they both have this, you know, they both have life going on, but there's there's nothing that equally relates. It's like the streets yeah. are a completely different scale exactly. and even though they're printing out like you can look at them side by side and see that the difference in scale at the same time it's just the buildings are bigger the, the boulevards are bigger yeah you don't see people you see cars they're bigger it's just everything is scale yeah bigger. it's fascinating and you know it what i also thought was kind of fascinating is that some of the newer canals in venice are sort of designed for like boats to cross so they're a little mm. bit wider and they're almost like have a street scale mm. i mean visually and, and then you know boats kind of have a car scale they're a little yeah. smaller usually but and then there's like the Vaporetta, like the, the um, shuttles or sort of water taxis and things that are, or buses that are sort of bus size almost, but still completely different. But I mean, it's, it's all relatable because it all, it all is human scaled right. to one level. Or the other. Yeah, it's really interesting.
0: To check out crossings and other photography work from Pete, visit his website at petermollick.com. Here's Kevin.
1: When you, were when you were really working in architecture, you, uh, photography was your outlet from the architectural yeah. world. And now that you're full-time in the photography world, <laughs> yeah. is there like a, you know an outlet from that at this point? Or Yeah, you know, the, I don't know. I, I think for a while it was like, the aerial photography thing was sort of my outlet from like my day to day photography. I think things like this, like I still think photography is sort of my outlet, but I think it, I, I haven't exactly zeroed in on what that outlet, what form that outlet takes. There's some other things that I would like to do, like more collaborative projects with artists and things like that. I don't even know if it has to do with photography. I, I have lots of I don't know, creative ambitions that i not yet to identify, with, but I, that I think you know, I think there's a lot unexplored out there that I could sort of connect the different backgrounds that I've had in, in art and design and just, you know, personal interests in general. You know, with the, with this whole Venice thing, I sort of was given this opportunity to enter the art world, and I don't necessarily know that I was there yet, that I'm there yet. You know, I don't know that I'm, like... Like, when I'm working with this gallerist, um, she's like, what's next? And I think that it's common for people especially in the art world to sort of force a what's next because like you know if you're seen as dormant for a while then maybe you'll get forgotten and I think I've realized that I don't really care if that happens because this isn't this is like it was just a creative outlet and that's all I really wanted to be is like a thing that I'm able to do as a release and it's not something that I want to like put pressure on myself uh, you know to or add pressure to myself Uh, so yeah, I think things will come and things will go, and hopefully that just happens organically and I don't have to like, feel like I'm struggling to come up with what's next. You know? I think that, that that probably plays well to the thing of allowing it to still be an outlet. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, that you deal. have taken pressure off of yourself to to do that, and so you can just, it can still just be an outlet.
0: Yeah, I hope so. You know, I
1: mean, I, I really got caught up in it this year after the Biennale thing started happening, and I was working with this gallery, and then she convinced me to be part of PhotoFest, and then I did these portfolio reviews, which were incredibly eye-opening. But um, it just seemed like you enter this cycle of like always having to have a what's next, you know, for, like the PhotoFest thing. You're meeting with these curators, and they're, they're like, "Oh, well, you know, keep in touch with what's, what's, with what's next, and what are you going to do? After? Where are you going to bring this?" Thing? which is exciting, okay. but I just don't know if that's exactly where I should be right now. You know, I think I just sort of got catapulted into that world and now I'm just a little bit and I'm going to let myself just be myself. That's really good advice.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you know, we yeah. put enough pressure on ourselves and there's enough things happening in the world that I think you know, we just have to let ourselves breathe and do whatever makes us happy, especially if it's on top of our regular work so what about the future what do you decide about you said you're you're potentially thinking about other artistic pursuits what's next what's next (laughs) yeah well you know I I still feel really early on in my in this like new career path so you know I I think there's a lot of room in Houston I was thinking about this earlier for like creative activism uh, you know because there's so much stuff happening in the world like I think it'd be interesting if some of the creative people in Houston could sort of pool their ideals and resources together and have some sort of voice I don't know but it's a really interesting city to be connected to people creatively because it's a huge city but the creative community is quite small Um, so I think it's easy to leave a mark and to stand out where if you're in Denver or LA or New York or wherever um, you're a small fish in a big pond. Sort of where here, um, it's much easier to, to sort of make a mark and, and stay connected with people. And especially when you, I think, you're freelancing. or working in a really small community. Um, you interact. You wind up interacting with people um, more often. And uh, since there's less people doing exciting things, those that are want to be connected, you know. So. I think there's always exciting things happening. I think we're a little slow sometimes to make more happen with those talents and those opportunities. But you know, there are voices and there are people doing that. But I think like the more that we pull together, the better things we can do for the society. So like in the creative front, that's an interest that I have in the back of my mind. I just don't know what it is. But, uh, it seems like the kind of time where people should be making their voices heard. Uh, and I think we can, do diff- we can do things a lot better can have an actual effect. Uh, so yeah, who knows? I think the, world, the, the future isn't right. Great. Sweet. All right. That was awesome. Yeah, thanks, thanks so I didn't even know we were started when we were talking really earlier. I would have enunciated my first few sentences. Oh, it's all good. Yeah.
0: <laughs> From Rivers-Barden Architects, This has been Spork in the Road. A special thanks to our guest Pete Mollick, interviewers extraordinaire Joe Rivers and Kevin Barden, and thank you to everyone who has listened so far, family, friends, colleagues, and people known and unknown. This episode was produced, written, edited, narrated, and music by Scott Barden. For more information on Rivers Barden Architects, visit their new website, riversbarden.com dot com.